This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to our BSBOTs, Discord, and more. Today's episode is a little bit, I don't know, strange for me personally, because I've recorded this podcast pretty much every Monday for the last eight years, no matter what, uh, and I'm taking a vacation. So we pre-recorded these next two episodes this week and next week. We did our bold predictions and good hangs. Good hangs comes out next week. This is bold predictions for the season. Super fun time with Greg. Greg may may add another interview on the other side. He's going to... I this this hurts me to tell you this. I'm leaving Greg in control of the podcast for the two weeks I am gone. So I will return. I will be massively jet lagged, and a preseason game will have happened when I get back. So we will have a lot to talk about. The preseason will be ramping up. All the lines. The like, finally we have real things to discuss. But the next couple weeks, bold predictions. Good hangs three, where spoiler alert, uh, Ryan doesn't do so well, and uh, yeah. So look, summer's winding down, fall is here, the leaves are changing, amazing times. Hockey is around the corner. All right, enjoy guys, love you. Here's the episode. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Fans. Welcome to the week of the Blue Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and we are recording this in advance. That's right. It's not real time, but it might feel like it because we're doing bold predictions. Gregory, how are you? Oh, I, uh, I, I, I have a feeling I'm still going to be talking about this weekend in a couple weekends, so I don't feel bad talking about this specific recording weekend of August 27th on when we physically release this podcast. Ryan... Here's, let me just run through what I did this weekend, okay? Okay. Very yep. exciting stuff. You're not going to, you know, we're also recording another podcast tomorrow, the 28th for the 29th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about it again then. Don't you worry. It's just, it's what's on my mind now. You put a microphone in front of my face, I, I create magic. I understand. But the magic is, is what's on the mind. Here's what I did this weekend. Drove to Boston. Yep. Hung out with our good friend, Mike Arigemma. Are you asking if I drove to Boston and ever left his house from 5 o'clock Friday to, what time is it now, 3 o'clock Sunday? Yep. No. Not sure once. didn't. Not <laughs> once. We wa- City of Boston. We, Here we are. Yep. We watched a whole season, an old school season of The Challenge. Um, believe it was Rivals 1. Great season. CT's return season, amazing. I no not this is what you drove to Boston for. <laughs> we played I- four, four. 32 race circuit Mario Kart tournaments on the Wii. Four. Hold on. Four. Hold on. I'm just doing the math. Four 32. So yeah. that is... 128 races. You played 128 races of Mario Kart. Yeah. Sure did. Was it one-on-one or is it like the whole... Uh, t- uh, 12 racers. I d- okay. Are you asking, did Mike finish first in all of those each time? Absolutely. Not, wow. in, every, not in every race, but every 32 race circuit, Mike... 
Got finish it. first. I know what you're asking, Greg. Obviously, if you play something that much, you must love it and be good at it. I'm happy you asked, Ryan. The answer to that is no. Uh, uh, I love I it, but I never finished higher than third. Uh, did Mike do his signature and patented uh, go to McDonald's, pour a half of a whole ketchup can on a plate, and then dip a whole burger into it, eating no, like three you're, bites? You're, you're missing the important step there, which okay. is Mike rips the burgers in half. Not I'm cuts. So- Rips the burgers in half. And yes, he did. He, we did order McDonald's, which included, let's see, what did we get? He got eight cheeseburgers. Oh I got God. two double cheeseburgers, a 20 nugget. We got three large fries between the two of us. Um, shit, what else was there for McDonald's? Uh, that might have been it for McDonald's. We all, oh, we ate like fucking pigs. Like, just. Yeah, it, no one. This is Mike and I have to do these weekends by ourselves because no other human being on earth would ever want to not leave the reclining couch. It is like Mike a guys being dudes serious to one hundred weekend oh. to one hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. We we also placed the world's most um, troublesome thirty dual thirty four year old uh, like Grubhub from the grocery store order. You like you were like, can we get up and go to the grocery store? No, no couldn't do it. We ordered it at the house. <laughs> Three bags of Cape Cod chips, twenty-four sleeves of Oreos. You know, like the little six-pack yep, sleeves. I understand. Yeah, twenty-four of those. Two family-sized boxes of Gushers. You know who that was for? I do. A family pack size of Welsh's fruit snacks. So that's forty of the little pouches. Mike is in good shape. This Mike's is in great so shape. Confusing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in awful shape. This makes perfect sense for me. Wasn't questioning you. Yeah, like that that wasn't part of it. But Mike is like he's a he's a good looking dude. He's in great shape. Yeah. I don't I don't understand. Yeah, it makes I, no sense. Yeah, and that we haven't I, you haven't even heard how many subs we ordered for dinner, where there were two of us. You were like you guys need multiple subs. <laughs> Mike ordered Mike ordered three subs for himself. What it was like chicken parm and like two other ones? Yeah. Okay. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, are you anyway, okay? I feel great is what you're wondering. I, <laughs> yeah, are you all right? No, um, I'm uh, – holy shit. I've never – I will say those weekends with Mike, when my head hits a pillow, buddy, I'm, I'm snoring before I close my eyes. It's fall asleep. Like, your, your heart can't even handle it. It's like, dude, we got to go to bed. Yeah, you, <laughs> my, the, the, the heart and – well, because the, the thing I ate the most of this weekend for sure were Tums. That's – that led the clubhouse in thing I consumed the most. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, um, anyway, let's do this Evergreen Podcast that yeah, everyone Evergreen heard about. Evergreen Podcast. This is called 10 Bold Predictions. It's a article that literally everybody in every sports media thing writes every single season about their team or the league. Now, I wrote 10 of these things down, and usually this is what happens. I, I say them, and then you say, you're an idiot. Yep. And that's pretty much what we're going to do again today and discuss these 10 different points. I didn't do one for just... I was going to do one for the NHL as well for the Rangers, but mm. I have to be honest, it's kind of hard for the NHL. Also, like, we uh, don't care about the rest of the league. That's true. That's true as well. I, I was going through it, and it is like, okay, is there a chance like the Carolina Hurricanes or the Devils don't finish one or two in the Metro? No. Is there anything that's actually bold in the West? No. Like, what, what's bold? Like, Arizona's a playoff team? It's like, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I did see did – you, did you see the scorching hot take going around – uh, Kevin Kurz, who covers the Islanders. I for... saw the, I saw it. Come are on, we that man. dumb? How dumb are we? What are We're, we doing? Uh, yeah, so just so everybody knows the tweet. Uh, it's, I, I don't believe that the I narrative... have a hard time buying the Austin Matthews 
is underpaid argument considering he still hasn't made it out of the second round. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Austin Matthews is the entirety of the team, in case you're wondering. Not just – I just – I never understood writers who feel like it's their mission in life to police the salaries of players. I saw, I know we do this every single episode, but I saw, was it, who was it in the Washington Wizards that got more money than Austin Matthews for three years? Uh, PJ Clark? No, PJ Washington? PJ Washington. There that was. sounds right. They're yes. fourth most important big man. Yes. There's like $16 million, three year deal every single. I was like, okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, listen. Austin Matthews is making what the Mets are paying the Angels to play Eduardo Escobar, who doesn't even play. I know. And I saw Walsh was going in. I would love to get Walsh on this podcast one day. Really got to make that happen. Yeah. That's on me. That's on me. I'm going to keep pushing. You have the connections. I do. I will talk to uh, the Dangle people. We'll go from there. The good people at Dangle Enterprises. The good people at Dangle Co. I think that's what they call their podcast network. (laughs) That's what we're calling them. They're Dangle Co. to me moving forward. (laughs) Dangle Co. Uh, First bold prediction. Yeah. Look, some of, some of these are a little bit like you're like you're gonna be like, is that bold? Uh, I will, oh, look. we got a no shit Sherlock category. I like this. Yeah, there, there's definitely no shit. Okay. Um, this is the first and only season Igor Shosturkin will win 40 games. Hmm. Hasn't done it yet. Has won 36 and 37. Hmm. Interesting. Part of that was because is... Halak. Was a legitimate, like, not saying Quick isn't a legitimate backup, but he would have more time off. Igor Sturkin is going to have the ability to play more games under Laviolette, I believe. He sticks to his number one goalies a little bit more. There's reasons behind this. Yeah, this is more, so this is more math equation than good enough to do it. It's really hard. It's really hard to win 40 games in the NHL if you're not playing north of 60. This is what um, I was saying. I think he plays like 62 to 63 games. So... We would all agree his breakout year is best season, 21-22. Two years ago. Started 53 games, 136 of them. That's an outrageous percentage. It's insane. Quite frankly, starting only 58 games and winning 37 of them, also an outrageous per- I don't see – I just think in the modern NHL, and this isn't me saying I want to see Jonathan Quick play 20-plus times, I do think we're smarter about goalie workloads. I don't think – I just think he will need to start – he's either not going to lose, which is I don't think that's necessarily what you're suggesting. It's not. So you're not predicting a seven-plus game increase? Because the only way for me, he'd have to play 65 games to get to 40. And I don't think he's going to play 65 games. I think he can do 60 or 62. And I, oh, I, be... I think he can do 72. He's a nut job. <laughs> I just don't think it's bad. worth it. I I just feel like there there'll be there'll come a time in this season where Laviolette's going to ride it because because the Rangers are going to be in third or fourth place in the Metro and fighting and vying for a uh, vying for a playoff spot where they're going to kind of need to push Igor Shosturkin to stay in the, the situation. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess because the looking... started zero and seven last year, right? Was that correct? Oh, zero and four. He was okay. awful in those four terrible. games too. Uh let's see. Last year. I don't know. He fifty-seven starts for Darcy Kemper on a team that was trying to win, and the year before that, I, all we have to go off is what Laviolette has done previously, right? That that's that's what it all boils down to. Probably not the world's greatest comparison because both Samsonov and Vanacek were literally fighting for playing time on a regular basis, but they 
essentially a 50-50 split. 44, Samsonov, 42, Vanacek. I don't know. I, I think I think it's bold. I'm not going to call you dumb for the take because, you know, Igor's that dude. I think he can do it. If anyone can do it in 60 games or less, it's probably Igor. I just I just don't think that the, the math is going to work on your side there. Both for a reason. Rain, for him, I mean, for him, the Rangers would be on a... They'd have to play at like a 125-point pace in games in which Igor starts for that to come true. And that is asking a lot. A lot. It is asking a lot. I just... If, if I'm looking at Igor Shosturkin, I don't know if we ever get his Vesna season ever again. And I'm not, this isn't me poo-pooing v- Igor. He's extremely good. He can do that season again. It's just that season was so absolutely freaking ridiculous that to repeat it is almost impossible. And I think this is sort of, I don't want to say tail end of his prime. He's got many, many good years left. But this is sort of the last year he has the chance to win 40 games, in my opinion. Because they're going to have a better backup next year. They're going to have more room for it. I don't know if they're going to have a better backup next year. They I might just, just have th- Grand next year. That's true. And Quick quick and Grand might be a wash. Yeah. Not that Grand I mean, isn't good. It's just an experience. It, well, young, young goalie only playing 20 games. What yep. can you really expect? There's no yeah, rhythm exactly. to it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I It's spicy. Um, to call it his last chance, I think, probably not correct. I mean, he's only... Is age twenty seven season? Um, eh, I just I don't. I think the day of the forty win goalie is going the way of the day of the two hundred twenty plus inning pitcher. We just live in different eras now. That checks. Number two. I don't know if this is spicy or not. So you you let me know. Eric Gustafsson. Gustafsson. I don't know. It's just Gustafsson. Why is that so hard? I don't know. Gustafsson. Uh, There's 700 of them. That's like that's like presenting a name <laughs> to a Swede, and it's Smith, and they're like Smite, Smither, Smother. You know how I am. Uh, I G- Gustafson. He ends up running power play two by like a month in, and he never lets go of it. Miller and Truba lose that ability. They don't get it, and it's just him. Zach Jones is not a, not an option for this. It ends up being him. And I don't know how long power play two is going to play. That's not one of my bold predictions. I think one of those Shana. Best came on this show and was like, hey, you want to play your number one power play as much as possible? Maybe that's what the Rangers continue to do. But I think Gustafson ends up running power play two extremely quickly. I don't disagree. I think there would be a varying degree of people that would come on here and say, that's blasphemous. It needs to be Miller. Why isn't it Miller? The next progression in his game should be running a power play and getting experience running a power play. I don't disagree with that notion. But I go back to one of the things, probably one of the original tentpoles you and I had on this podcast, which for me, Keandre Miller is so important to the New York Rangers and other things that they do, that while I'm saying he's completely capable and probably would excel running a second power play unit, I'm more focused on giving him two minutes of no ice time that he can rest and recuperate because he has to play my key five on five minutes and penalty kill minutes. So if I can buy him two minute stretches in the game where I know I can give him uninterrupted breaks, I need to do it. And that's what I want to do with Keandre Miller. We said that about Ryan McDonough way back when, when he was on the number one power play for the Rangers 
And I never said that he wasn't capable of running a power play. I said he was the Rangers' most important penalty killer and their most important even-strength defenseman. So can we please, for the love of God, find someone else to run a power play? Yep. I'm, I have that opinion of Keandre Miller. He's too important to the other things that I'm doing. And Adam Fox is so good at doing the thing that I need a defenseman to do where I, I honestly, I'd be really happy if Miller saw exactly zero seconds of power play two-time this year. And I think that's a hot take. I, I'm I'm with you where it's Fox, you and I have gone over this a million times. He's too important to what the Raiders do on both ends of the ice on the penalty kill and the power play, which makes it so that he has to play a million gajillion minutes. Mm-hmm. But Miller in general, I'd rather have him be just as suitable and as ready as possible on the penalty kill. Because I was looking at some of those, uh, there's some some new charts dropped. And mm. it was like, hey, Kondra Miller's a stopper. And that's kind of what he is. He, he ends up stopping the puck and stopping breakaways and stopping. He just ends up being able to skate with the best skaters in the league, which not a lot of defensemen can do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, by the way, he's a really good skater, in case mm-hmm. you, you were wondering. And with Gustafsson, I, I think because he has that relationship with Laviolette, and because he is maybe a more of a playmaker, he might get those 30 seconds. Where Miller, I'm with you. It, it's just he might have the chance to... I, I'd rather him save his legs and, and be able to sprint down the ice when he can. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is I would love to give Jacob Truba two minutes off on the penalty kill and let Keandre Schneider be your second penalty kill defensive unit. That way, a similar mindset where Truba... As much as I like him, probably doing more harm than good on the penalty kill. He's a big body. He gets he puts himself in front of pucks. But he's not a stay-at-home defenseman, stereotypically speaking. The best parts of his game happen outside of the defensive zone. So if you're not going to take Chuba off the penalty kill, it's even more important to me to get Miller fresh for a penalty kill. Mm-hmm. But again, I... I if I was if I was simply running the Rangers, I would just go Fox Lindgren, Miller, Schneider, and those would be my penalty killing units. And I think letting Truba shoot his howitzers with Gustafson on the second power play unit, cool. That that works for me. I like the sound of that. I wonder if Truba is even on power play too. I mean, he doesn't need to be. Yeah, and if he is, he's miscast as a quarterback he's a sniper he is absolutely i wouldn't well snipers hit the target um he's 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 a mortar (laughs) he's a mortar he's a mortar that's a good way to put it he's got a cannon he's gonna fire it sometimes it's going in you don't want to be in front of it that's all i know damage but he's gonna just shoot it yep it's like like, look i got a mortar i can't help myself i gotta let these fireworks go uh when i was when i was playing youth basketball back in my heyday I got the nickname Trigger Man because I never saw a three-point shot I didn't like. And that was my role in the offense where I'm, listen, small guy. Wasn't going to be able to bound bodies inside. I'm cool setting screens up top, getting my guards open. And then if I'm left open, which happened a lot, and you gave me the ball and I had a three-point shot, I knew the numbers. Three's more, more than two. I put that bad boy up. They called me Trigger Man. I just think. Something funny about someone going to you and like you hitting a shot. You go, yeah, trigger man. <laughs> it's such a stupid thing in my head. Of you just walking back, pointing. Um, pew 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 pew. Uh, number three is, and I think I had this bold prediction last year. Uh-huh. Let's, do it. Let's do it again. Jimmy VC breaks the fifteen goal mark again. Again? It wasn't that far off last year? Yeah, but by saying again implies that he He's did. He's done it. it before with the Rangers. Sure. Back when he but, was getting more like minutes. 2016, yes. 
2017 as well. He hasn't and done it since 2018-19, by the way. This is correct. That was a long I, time ago. I don't know if you've done the math on that. I have. I have. Uh, last year, he it was 11 goals. Sure Jimmy was. Bici, all of sure a sudden. was. Uh, and I just think he's going to get more opportunity to play right wing this year. It, on the third line, as shocking as that goes to say. Uh, and that that's where I go. I, I, I think Jimmy VC is the offense in the bottom six, which is really sickening to tell you. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Alexi Lafreniere. We should get comfortable having that conversation right now. We will. It's actually on my list. You want me oh, to get to that boy. sooner no, or later? No, no, no. I'll, simp- <laughs> I'll simply say that again. I don't think this is a hot take because VC is going to be the guy that we say the Rangers should feel comfortable moving up and down the lineup, especially if you're either giving a guy a night off or you simply want to slot a guy in because someone picked up a knock and they don't want to go another game and they don't want to push it. Like, there's no reason to push Blake Wheeler. The whole point of Blake Wheeler being here is to be a difference maker come playoff time and to add some hypercharged offense to this team in the middle six in the regular season. But if if Blake Wheeler has to rest on a given night because he picked up a tweak against the Flames and you're playing Edmonton the next night... Yeah, it's VC that should move up in the lineup, not a Barclay Goodrow. So by opportunity, yeah, VC is going to be getting minutes at various points this season in the top six, and we never feel like that is necessarily a bad thing in small sample size. So by simply being available to the points, it's possible. I just don't think it's likely. I guess this brings me to my next one. This was way down my list, but let's do it now. So... I- my bold prediction here is the, the Lafreniere to right wing experiment fails. And then they immediately go to Kreider at right wing. And that also fails again. And it, putting us back in the situation we always started at, having three left wingers that can't go up and down the lineup at all. Just Kreider number one, Panera number two, Lafreniere number three. Mm-hmm. And that's where we end up. The bold prediction is we end up exactly where we are now. Yeah, again, I'd say more likely than not. Um,. Boy, I will just say the last two years have changed the Chris Kreider narrative so much that one of the things we don't talk about when it comes to Alexi Lafreniere is when the Rangers drafted him, we weren't expecting Chris Kreider to become a 40-goal scorer. He wasn't supposed to be the the best tip man in the game. Chris Kreider was supposed to be the guy that you felt fine moving down your lineup and playing third-line minutes if your first two left-wingers were Artemi Panarin and Alexi Lafreniere. And then all of a sudden, Chris Kreider finds this run of health that has been not a constant in his career, I would say, and decided to be the greatest tip and goal scorer the league has ever seen. So it's funny that it's funny that Chris Kreider has become a roadblock in talking about it like it's a bad thing. If your three left-wingers are Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, and Alexis Lafreniere, I still think your team is better than most. At the same time, it still would feel extremely disappointing if Alexi Lafreniere was the third name on that list. And I, that's just where we live now. It's it's the weird situation that the Rangers have just fallen into where it's like Chris Kreider, who is always a great player, was always sort of the, the person they put on NBC as the face of the franchise outside of Henrik Lundqvist, just never was this consistent, insane tip man. And now he, I think he had more power play points than like six, six, six or seven teams the last two years. So you can't take him off power play one. You're still not going to do that. And if he's really comfortable playing left wing, and by the way, you're still trying to make the playoffs and win, I just don't think Kreider is going to be 
you, you really can't move to the right. Lafreniere is going to try and move to the right. I just think it doesn't work out. And we end up right back to where we were supposed to. We were, we started the whole time. I just, going back to 2016, the start of the 2016 season. Yep. Before 21-22, Kreider had never topped out at more than 28 goals, more than 53 points, and only once did he even play 79 games in a single season. From feels weird. 16 points was his to max. Tw- 16 to 21. His age 25 to 29 seasons. His max point was 53, which he did in 26, 16, 17. His max games was 79, which he did in 2018, 19. He missed, uh, I mean, 2019, 20. It's hard to say how many games he would have played or missed that year, but like only 58 games in 27, 28, 17, 18 when he was battling blood clots. Like, all of a sudden, the man turns 30, and he puts up 52 goals and 77 points. Sickening. That just wasn't supposed to happen. What is Lafreniere supposed to do? There's no, there was no chart in the world that said that would happen. No. Not one. No. And it's, I, and it's not even like he was shooting unsustainably high for his career. Yeah, he shot 20% in 21-22. He was shooting 19.6 in 2020. 2020, 2021. He doesn't, he doesn't even shoot, dude. He, yeah, he's just he tipping. Tip, he tips in from three feet from front of the net. He's the only thing he does. I mean, once in a while, he'll take a rush and take a shot. But for the most part, Kreider's just sitting his big ass in front of the net, and you can't can't move him because he's so goddamn strong. We Nobody was expecting the Kreider leap. It happened. None of us are complaining, rightfully so. But, you know, I just... I, shit happens... Also, would you be surprised to learn that Kreider only had eight power play points last year? I am surprised to learn that because what was the year uh, before? Sorry, power play goals. Power play okay. goals. Yes. Yeah, twenty six the year before. Yeah, that's sickening. <laughs> that's, he, he was a, an offense unto himself. Oh, uh, this is going to be fun. Hold on, I'm going to do some math for you real quick. Part of the reason he only had that many power play goals last year is because we what we talked about with Lance, which was the the scouting has just gotten better and the scouting on the Rangers. Kind of was all the same. Mm-hmm. It, it never even changed. Uh, Kreider scored 28% of his career power play goals um, in 2021-22 alone. Gross. 92 for his career. Scored 26 that one season. Gross. Yeah, he was a man on fire. And then uh, continued it in the playoffs, actually. He was, he was pretty good. Mm. All right. Uh, next one. I have... Philip Heedle is the 2C by midseason. Vincent Trocek is officially the 3C at that point. I, I, I want it to happen. Yeah, I mean, that could happen on opening night, though. I don't think that's spicy. Do you think uh, this is one of those, like, no shit? Yeah. Or maybe, this is a, no, this, maybe no shit? I think so. And, but it's hard. Like, what's the determining factor? Are we anointing whoever plays with Panarin as the 2C? We are. Okay. Because Trocek... Is still likely, I know it's going to piss everybody off. I bet you Trocek still sees more power play time, and he's absolutely going to see more penalty kill time. So I bet you on any given night, more nights than not, Vincent Trocek will finish with more minutes than Philip Heedle. But if what determines who the 2C is, is those 40 minutes at even strength, or however many minutes at even strength, Heedle gets the majority of time with Panarin. Does that make Heedle the 2C? Part of this goes into another one of my takes here, which is I think Trocek gets taken off power play one. This is the year, finally, where one of the kids gets to eat that spot without Trocek being but is there. That, I still don't know. Is that spot the spot we really want a kid, the bumper? Like, that's I, the spot we, we just want to throw a kid out there. There's only one kid that should be there, and it's Capococco. And that Probably. is 
and that is one of my bold predictions. Kapokako eats into finally gets power play time, eats into the power play goal count, and actually forces his way into scoring thirty for the first time in his career. Thirty points, thirty goals. Goals. No, I don't think he gets to thirty goals. You think twenty five? Hockey stat miners got some interesting stuff going on about this recently. There really are only so many goals we can this account is a Josh, for. This is a Josh take as well. Yeah. Where there's only so many things you can do. Yeah. So at some point, if we're saying Panarin is getting his, Mika is getting his, Kreider is getting his, at some point there isn't enough food on the table for other people to get theirs. Like I considered Phil Hedl one of the better goal scorers for the Rangers last year, but because so many other people were getting goals, he only had 22. Unless the Rangers are scoring four-plus goals a night, which we know is unsustainable and not likely to happen, at some point, you just run out of goals if you're giving them out like candy. This isn't this isn't like hitting home runs. You really can only score X amount of goals in a given season. Correct. This is why I think like Kako, the, re- the reason, the only way he could do this is if he ate goals from other people like Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. And that would have to be on power play one. It's the only way it happens. Yeah, I 30 goals for Kako. He had 18 last year. That feels like a lot. And he played a lot of games. But he didn't get power play time. And this year, if he gets the power play time, and he, he is that left-handed shot, which the Rangers desperately need on power play one, he could be the trigger man release man for that situation in the bumper spot. It's a bold know. prediction for a reason. It's not what I predict to happen. It's bold. I know, but okay. Let... let I'm going to entertain this idea for a Please second. Please do. This is what we're, this is what we're here to do. So we're saying, wow, Trocek had nine power play goals last year? Yeah. That is a shocking amount of power play goals for Vincent Trocek. So you just give all those to Kaka. I would have said three, honest to God. For Trocek? Yeah, three pow- power play goals last year? Yeah, I know. He had nine. I know, it's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Boy, I think the better hot take is that Trocek only shot 9% last year. Low. Very low. That's pretty low, considering, again, not going career average, but he was coming off a 13% average in Carolina. He dropped off 4%, and yet only scored, uh, scored one more goal last year, shooting a lower percentage. This is part of the reason why I think Kako can take that spot from Trocek. Yeah, here's my thing. You really want him to? I mean, look at Trocek's pretty good. <laughs> he can. He can be really good, but Kako know. is the whole reason. He's the number two overall pick. Like, let, He has finishing talent. Let him use it. It's not like, like – Trocek's good, but he's not like a known finisher. That's not what his game is. His, right. game is. his game is to be a rat piece of shit. And that's it. Um – all right, next one. You ready? Yes. Zach Jones ends up being traded at the deadline, and Matthew Robertson takes his place on the roster. Your thoughts? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> not the trade. He's he's. I again. I, I said this in the twenty-five under twenty-five, and I've said this on the podcast. There's no player more logical to be traded than Zach Jones. He's it, the last piece in the cupboard that goes. Yeah, he, he's still regarded highly enough. Um, where one, the Rangers won't be able to pass him through waivers without losing him to waivers. And two, he's, he's still young, and he still has all the talent in the world. And he's really the last chip the Rangers have that they can say is a truly young piece with upside that they can turn into something else. 
I, there's just no reason for Robertson to then come up here and not play, which is what Zach Jones is going to do. Mac Hollowell will come up before Zach Jones. I think it would Ty be, Emerson it, will Harper come would up be the answer probably. Matt Robertson. Um, Harper could is more than capable of sitting on the bench. Uh, there's just he's no, great at it. I, I, I there's no point to bring Robertson up if he's not playing every night, and I, he wouldn't do that replacing Zach Jones. So why that would just be frustrating a different young player with a lack of ice time. I I, I just think I just think Gustafson really takes off this year and ends up becoming like a quick fan favorite, and with that Zach Jones just gets left in the dust. And I'm not sure uh, the Matthew Robertson thing. I, I I agree with you. It's like why are we going to do that? Yeah, he's just going mean, to play in the AHL. We're in agreement. It's it's as simple as the Rangers just don't have a lot of op- things to trade if they feel like they need an upgrade somewhere else. If they the only scenario in which they trade Zach Jones is if they don't feel like they need an upgrade defensively. If someone slips up, Zach Jones is there to slide in. It's the best safety net you could hope for. But if you get to midseason, you feel good about your defenseman. I'm not holding on to a guy praying he doesn't get hurt, there isn't an injury, especially, again, Robertson, Emerson, and Hollowell are all capable defensemen ready to go right now, where if they if push came to shove and you don't have Zach Jones as an option, I don't feel like the Rangers look at Hartford anymore and think that it sounds like, fuck, we have nothing here. They have plenty of intriguing, capable options they can slide into the bottom pair of their lineup if something happens to one of the four guys above them, not named Fox and Miller, because honestly, if something happens to Fox and Miller, good fucking luck anyway. Yeah, season's over. Congrats. But I just, I, I yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel for Jones. He's just, it's unfortunate. There are only so many starting positions on any given team, let alone a team trying to win a Stanley Cup this year like the Rangers are. He'd be better off being on a team that would just blindly feed him ice time. Is it weird that we haven't talked about that the Carolina Hurricanes don't have an AHL team? Or uh, another, I think they have no minor league system this year. I, I think it's it's weirder to me that, um, again, talking with our friend Keith the other week, uh, who will be playing for the Chicago Wolves this year and why he's excited about it. It's weirder to me that there's a completely independent team in the minor league structure system. And I get it. I, I saw plenty of people that were saying uh, the Hurricanes were in the wrong for asking their AHL team to forget about win-loss records and only develop the kids. At the same time, I know how you and I would feel if we were running a team and someone at our minor league affiliate asked us the question, hey, don't you care about winning games? And I'd be like, fuck, no. You're I would serve laugh one purpose. my ass off, bro. I'd be like, no way. And, but I, you know, I get it. I've never understood. The thing that confuses me about like so many things confuse me about how hockey organizations are run, but <sighs> AHL GMs do sometimes work independently of the organization that they are affiliated with. I don't know. I just, I don't care if the Wolfpack win one single game in the regular season, as long as I feel like they are preparing my younger players for situations that might happen in the NHL. But I get that there are legitimate fans of their AHL franchises that would be sick to their stomach if someone was completely punting on winning for the sake of development. I just, I don't know. I I read that entire article, and yeah, it seems like the Hurricanes organization is a bit um, hard-lined and maybe don't understand how to talk to human beings occasionally. At the same time, 
I also wouldn't want Alex Leone getting starts in a playoff series above my top goaltending prospect. Like, if if we ever read a story that Hartford benches Garand in the playoffs to play Louis Domingue, all of us could collectively would go, the fuck, why? Yeah, why Why on earth would we do that? It helps doesn't help the franchise at it all. It helps nobody. Helps like, no one. I'm, I'm happy Louis Domingue is getting the, the moment to shine in a playoff series, but... <laughs> Flags don't fly forever in Hartford. Nobody gives two shits. I'm sorry if if the Wolfpack wins six Calder Cups or zero. The the 17 hardcore Hartford Wolfpack fans care, but that's not enough. I know, sorry, guys. but it, like, if you want to it, be independent, if you want to play for wins and losses, if you're going to be affiliated, then you are playing at the pleasure of the professional organization. My next bold prediction. For the first time ever, the New York Rangers aren't dead lap in face-off percentage in the league. Forever. Uh, cool. I don't know. That's not even a fun one, man. How do you want me to react to that? I, I just I don't know. We have a new coaching staff. I hope they do that. Uh, here's a fun one. Uh, Jake Lecision scores a goal. Who? Phantom Jake. No, that's a joke, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> This is going to be... You know what's going to be really interesting to me? Yes. I, talent, talently speaking, Lechision, the Phantom, whatever the fuck his name is, he's not getting called up before Cooley. He's not getting called up before Nash. I wouldn't call him up before Bobby Trevino either. Would there be a time... I Frankly, I wouldn't call him up before Brzezinski... I think he's the fifth guy in line to truly get a call and probably the third center because Nash can play. If you bring up Nash, you can move Bonino over to center. The beauty of having um, Goodrow and Bonino playing in your bottom six is both of them at any drop of the hat can be centermen and they're better options at center regardless of what you think about Barclay Goodrow than the depth that the Rangers have going on in Hartford. So in case of injury... Phantom Jake is probably the third center the Rangers would call up, which to me means that finally the Rangers should be in a position where they don't have to play Phantom Jake ever. And this doesn't take into consideration whether they pick up a different forward through waivers throughout the season that moves him even further down the pecking order. So in theory, I don't think he scores a goal because he shouldn't have the opportunity to score a goal. And I think that's great. Don't you feel like I know you just made an amazing case? Yeah, you, sure like, did. The, you, you like, everything you said was factual. I don't know why, but I think Lecision ends up getting at least one or two games with the Rangers this year. <laughs> I just I think he gets the call before everyone else. I don't know if it's because they made the trade for him or because they still believe in the talent, even though it's not there. You're, you're it just, right. It All depends. It depends who first. gets. It depends who gets hurt. I, Cooley is going to be waiver exempt uh, all year, and he's ready to go. And I think it's clear that Drury likes him, and he's a wet dream for every hockey head coach at this point. Big body score goals, I like. Um, Cooley is going to be the first call no matter what. I think if it's more long-term, it could be Nash. Like the, You only sign O'Reilly Nash to an AHL contract if you're giving him a clear runway to a promotion in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, he would have gone to any other minor league team where a runway existed especially considering he had a really good AHL year last year. And then 
you know, LaViolette has a track record getting the most out of undersized wingers. Uh, a lot of Connor Sheary's in the world have thrived in a LaViolette system, which makes me think Bobby Trevino could easily do the same, depending on the player that gets hurt. Yeah, I just, you know, and then Brodzinski, the Rangers have made it clear that they're fine risking him and passing him through waivers, and it's been made even more clear that every time they put him on waivers, they're able to pass him through. So I think they see that as a big boost. I just think there are enough bodies in front of Phantom Jake where outside of either Phantom Jake having an AHL season for the gods or the Rangers being in so much injury trouble that, holy shit, they're fucked and down to their fourth Hartford call-up, I don't think there's a path for Jake to get meaningful NHL minutes this year. Final bold prediction. Final. Mm. The last one. And then you can give me any you have if you have any at all. Oh. Um, this is Panarin's final prime season, and he breaks 100 points. Bald Panarin and his pissed-off self yeah, takes I... everything else person of the last two years. This is it boring? It's too boring? Yeah. Like, bold okay. prediction. My bold prediction is this is Alexi Lafreniere's last season as a New York Ranger. I think that's fair. That's a bold <laughs> prediction. I think it's fair. I don't know if it's bold. I think I, I think that's either he puts up or shuts up. That's it. Yeah. That that's uh, but there's not that many bold you can do with the Rangers this year. It's kind of like this is the team. Bold is saying they they win the Metro. That's bold. I think is bold, bold is saying this is Chris Kreider's last year with the New York Rangers. That's fucking bold. That's Modified no bold. trade kicks in next year, and while everyone and their mother. Would love to move um, Jacob, Jacob Truba. Truba. I get it. Sometimes you have to move the player that still has value. Chris Kreider will have trade value next year. For a sure. Lot. A lot. Especially if the cap spikes the way we intended to. All of a sudden, a three-year contract for a 40-plus goal store at $6.5 million annually. Um, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice option to have. Especially when his actual salary... Um, Ottawa um, is uh, five million and not six million. Interesting, interesting. Okay, this has been bold predictions. I think you're gonna go interview someone, or maybe not. <laughs> so it's out. we'll see. This yeah. is happening weeks. I'll see how I'm feeling. Yeah, maybe. stay tuned, everybody. Who knows uh, but, what's gonna happen? Greg's gonna say uh, words about something, or we're ending the podcast. So it's oh. either it's either something else is happening after this, or follow us on X, Twitter. Um, I'm gone. Greg's around. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Mm. That's it. So uh, transition or it's the end of the show. It's one of them. Love you guys. I think. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients. Popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack. And pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. And we're back. And by we, I mean me. Because it's Greg week. It's Greg month. It's Greg season. Open season on Greg on Blue Shirts Breakaway. Uh, Ryan is 
fucking gone. He, he's out of here. He, he, he's, he's temporarily fired. We'll see if we rehire him. Uh, I'm joined today by the master of chaos, the man of the polls, the Twitter guy himself, Matty Jack. Matty, what's going on, bud? Craig, happy to be here. I'm glad that you guys finally let me uh, out of the paywall area. Uh, excited to be on the show. So that's that's the funny thing. I, Ryan had you do OTs when I got fired, right? That that was like my two week sabbatical, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. Now and hold on. Playbacks here and there. Yeah, playbacks not behind a paywall though. I guess that's fair. I guess in the sense that <laughs> most people need cable, it's behind a play- paywall. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the Ben Harper of bsb like you really don't want me here but like in a pinch i guess he'll do uh and it's all right it's fine for now oh my god hey man your words not mine i never said that (laughs) um you ran down a list of things that we could talk about today that are new that ryan and i definitely didn't talk about in the first part of this i don't know if i'm putting you after ryan i believe thinks we're doing 10 big questions but i might just put uh, good hangs three on today's episode because I, Maddie, when I say I embarrass Ryan with how well I pick dudes to hang out with, I embarrass him with how well I pick dudes to hang out with. I'm just excited to see where Heedle lands in this after uh, <laughs> after the last upset. I know that there's been a lot of uh, speculation uh, around Heedle. I'll give you a spoiler: he does get drafted this year, and that's the only spoiler right. I'm giving you. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll uh, take it. You want to start? You, you want to start with Truba the artiste? Is that where we should start today? I think so. Um, I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to affect his game. Oh my god! Um, Mika <laughs> DJing. Uh, a lot of people say that he needs to work on his game. Truba artist. Does he take it out further on the ice, or is this? Does he unlo- does it unlock something out of him? Is he this offensive prowess that we saw? With the Winnipeg Jets, that's a really great question that I'm going to be asking you, Greg. I think the more important question, and the reason why I'm the longtime podcaster and you're just the guy <laughs> I brought on the show today, the more important question is, do you consider the artwork good? It's it's all relative, right? I mean, me personally, I, no, no, <laughs> um, but but you know what? He likes it, and that it, whatever makes him happy, right? Okay. Different strokes for different folks. No pun intended there. Um, I get it. But, paint, paint stroke. That's good. Well played. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Working on it. I had that uh, queued up. <laughs> no. So I think that I, I'm happy for him. Uh, I don't really know what he's doing there. There was a photo where he where all he's literally covered in black paint mm. um, that I will be using throughout the season uh, sporadically. Uh, very happy about that. So at, at bare minimum, there is – Summer content in the dog days of summer here towards the latter end. And I'm happy for it. Yeah. Art's one of those interesting things where nobody's actually bad at art because all it takes is for one person to say it's actually good. And then you kind of are what you're, what someone's willing to pay you in terms of art brings up a good story. Story time with Greg. Here's what this podcast is going to be for the next two weeks. Freshman. Let me take you. Let me take it back to freshman year of high school. Matthew, uh, I took a drawing class my freshman year because I wanted the easy grade. Uh, I am a man who plays the long game and understands if I get an A in drawing, that's going to count just as well as anything else on my eventual high school transcript trying to get into a college. So trying to boost those numbers early, putting myself on the first power play unit, if you know what I mean. 
Um, I like it. I go into this drawing class. First week of the class, teacher's just like, draw this bowl of fruit. I draw the bowl of fruit. It's horrendous. Awful. Uh, it looks like a fourth grader with no drawing skills did it because that's about where my drawing skills were. And it led to one of the most insulting conversations I've ever had in my life with a teacher where the teacher pulls me aside, reviews my artwork and says, you know, Greg, I think you might be left-handed. And I go, excuse you. (laughs) What do you mean? And she's like, Greg, this is, this is bad. You're not allowing your brain. You're not allowing your mind to open up to the creativity in front of you because you are too right hand dominant. So what I'm going to do the rest of this class is have you draw with your left hand and it's going to make your artwork better. And I said, this is, this is, this is fucking, this is rude. I'm 14, 15 years old. The fuck do you mean? Uh, and Maddie, I shit you not. I drew so much better with my left hand. It, uh, it hurt my feelings that at the end of the class, I showed her my portfolio, uh, which is essentially how you got your final grade. And she's like, see, isn't this all so much better? And I just wanted to be like, you're, you're a bitch. This is the, like, I hate that this worked. I hate everything about what happened here. Um, but uh, honest to God, after that drawing class, uh, anytime I took batting practice for baseball after that, I took batting practice left-handed and it helped me hit better right-handed. And it, I, I don't know why it worked, Maddie. To which to say, why can't Alexi Lafreniere play on the right wing? This is this all leads back to Lafreniere. Oh, 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 what a what a beautiful transition! What a beautiful transition, <laughs> Maddie. You know, you you do a show for eight plus years. You eventually get good at this, okay? I, I knew there was a I knew there was a method to your madness. I never doubted it. Um, and th- what a great question. Um, yeah, I I think that we do see him um, playing right wing to start at bare minimum. Yeah, I just I don't see any way we I don't see any possible way it doesn't at least happen for a one month period to begin the season. There's nothing there's nothing to be lost by it. You're not going to make the team significantly worse by trying it. You're not blocking anybody else's playing time by implementing it. It's one of those things where it simply makes all the sense in the world for all parties involved, and we once and for all have to decide if Gerard Gallant was the dude suppressing this from happening or if Alexi Lafreniere truly, honest to God, hates it. But let's find out. Let's do it. Let's rip that Band-Aid off. And the worst-case scenario is that Blake Wheeler fills in. And Blake Wheeler was a steal. I know that that you guys talked about it at nauseum, but for, for his contract, it is, it's unreal. I, I know that there's been a lot of um, conversation around Mott and his signing with Tampa Bay there. Um, and I, I think this may be a uh, unpopular opinion here, but I think that Mott was as good as Goodrow was bad to the fan base. Um, I, I think that it's, I, I personally didn't understand um, the hype around Mott this time around. I don't think that he performed at all during like postseason, and we're talking about what did what did Wheeler sign for like one point one something like that? No, I mean eight hundred k with bonuses. Yeah. yeah. So you look at Blake Wheeler and his his performance during the regular season. I think he had like fifty five points. Okay, and then you had Mott, who had I, I want to say it was like nineteen something like that. It, it 
it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You, you, you throw Blake Wheeler in the second line right wing if you need to, if Lafreniere doesn't work out. And it's really nice to have that safety net. The Tyler Mott stuff is interesting, if not confusing, to a, to a certain extent. I saw, uh, I was at the U.S. Open Women's Final on Saturday when it happened. Uh, I was deep in my honey deuce, rooting on Coco, and I popped Twitter open for all of two minutes and saw that people were freaking out and crying over Tyler Mott leaving. Uh, Josh Calvin, big fan of the show, big fan. We are big fans of Josh, was probably the biggest and loudest um, and he's not even anti Mott as much as he is anti the noise around Mott. And quite frankly, he's a thousand percent, right? Uh, Tyler Mott was not nearly as good as Jimmy VC was last year. Tyler Mott was about as effective as Barclay Goodrow was last year. And I'm not here to have the, yeah, we've done this conversation already where you don't give Barclay Goodrow $3.6 million. You go out there and try to find, someone that would do what Barclay Goodrow does for less. At the same time, if Tyler Mott's asking for $2 million, I'm happy that Chris Drury walked away from him twice. Um, I've been I've been trying to think of who Tyler Mott reminds me of from a fan perspective where the fans love him, but the on-field or on-ice contribution is so much different than what the opinion of him is from the fan perspective. In recent Met history, the closest I probably come to is Bartolo Colon, who is a perfectly fine pitcher for the Mets. Perfectly fine. Um, Solid, if unspectacular, but nowhere near as good or important as Met fans like to think back on and remember. Um, From a Yankee perspective... He's essentially a more veteran Oswaldo Oswaldo Cabrera, probably. A guy who's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. And you're also perfectly fine if he doesn't exist on that baseball team. I I don't know how Tyler Mott became a fan favorite. I don't know if it's just we memed him to death. He was great two postseasons ago when the Rangers went on their run. He made the spectacular comeback. He probably shouldn't have even come back because he was so injured at the end of the season. But like, I think our memories of what that run was with Tyler Mott are confusing what Tyler Mott was for the Rangers last year, which was just a guy. He existed. They don't need him to be great. And quite frankly, Tyler Pitlick is going to do everything you want Tyler Mott to do. Jimmy VC is better than Tyler Mott. Nick Benino is more versatile than Tyler Mott. And quite frankly, I don't want Tyler Mott here to just be a dude that's going to be blocking Will Cooley in one step further. So I I don't know, Matty. I just, when I saw you signed, I posted a meme because I knew it would get the likes and I thought it was funny. But I've stopped thinking about Tyler Mott, New York Ranger, a long, long time ago. Yeah, and I think that there's there's nostalgia tied to it, right? And it's his cap space or his cap hit at the time, like when we, when we first uh, moved on from him, like we had the ability to do so. We had the ability to bring him back. We didn't, right? And I think that that's what fans gravitate towards, the idea that we could have had him back. It was a great run there in, uh, two postseasons ago. And there's that lore, right, of, well, if we bring him back, maybe we could have the same success. But it wasn't Mott that did that. Drury just had a masterclass uh, trade deadline where he had all the right pieces, in my opinion. So I think that there, there's a lot of lore to nostalgia there of, of what Mott brought to the table two postseasons ago. 
But even then, like he was a gritty player. He could play up and down the line. And I, I think it, there's something to be said about that. But I, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be crying myself to sleep at night. Well, I will be just not for that reason. Um, <laughs> I just I, I, I'm in agreement with you, Greg. I, I'm happy that we moved on and I'll, I'll see him uh, trade that line this year. Yeah. And I listen, I get it. He goes to Tampa Bay. Nobody wants to see that. Um, it probably ends our run of trading fourth round picks in order to acquire Tyler Mott at two straight years. Um, he'll be a perfectly fine player for the lightning. He's going to have a couple fun moments that I'm sure the masochist Ranger fan portion of Twitter will pull high. I'm talking about you in this, by the way, it's me. Uh, it's me. you're going to, you're going to pull a Tyler Mott highlight about a nice goal he has against the Pittsburgh Penguins where he makes Eric Carlson look ridiculous and it's going to spurn a 24-hour conversation of did the Rangers do the right thing by not bringing Tyler Mott back because Tyler Pitlick in his 15 games only has one assist to his credit, to which I'm going to say I don't want Tyler Pitlick getting a single point, and we should stop talking about this. It's all ridiculous. Uh, really excited about that point in time. Probably I'm going to say November 18th is about when that will happen. We'll pin it. Yeah, Pin it. It sounds about right. It sounds about right. And then the third piece of news today that you told me right before I started to hit record. And I got to make this clear. I, I, that's not just a turn of phrase I'm saying. Maddie informed me of the Ranger news today. My entire thoughts today about sports were almost specifically about... I am still really angry at myself, Maddie. At some point in time in the long time pick and pool that I'm in, I picked the Pittsburgh Steelers without thinking about it and always... Just assumed I had the 49ers. And it's the difference between me having a 10-win week at this point and a 9-win week. It's haunted my dreams. Haunted my dreams. I didn't sleep last night because of this. And I think you think I'm exaggerating. I'm fucking not. (laughs) I was up all night watching Superstore because I picked the fucking Steelers. This is the life I live now. Um, I mean, it could be worse. You could be a Giants fan. Holy shit, could it, could it be worse? Uh, as someone that has the Dallas Cowboys defense in multiple fantasy leagues, uh, chef's kiss for me. I think it was 40, I added 43 points in one league. They got me. Whew. Whew. I love it. Daniel Jones, what are you going to do? Uh, boy, the jet, if the jets lose tonight, Maddie, we're about to hit like DEFCON five with depression. Yeah. We're going to need to check it on Fitz too on that one. Oh boy. Fitz, Lou, um, st- friend of the show, Steve Gelbs might be distraught at that point. Might be tough. Hopefully the Jets at least stay competitive. If, if, if MetLife goes, if two teams come into MetLife and put up 80 points without giving up any, I think, I think we can officially stop referring to the Jets and Giants as teams from New York. Just give them to Jersey. They deserve them. I think that's fair. That's fair. So rookie camp starts this week. That's what you're telling me. Wednesday? Wednesday. Uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna work something in here. Uh, this is one of our five-star questions that I'm going to have Maddie Jack help me with. This one is from Just Gypsy. Over under two and a half Rangers to make their NHL debut this season, and who? One of you has to take the over, one has to take the under. Um, this is per- There's nothing to talk about when it comes to rookie camp. Nothing. There's no breakdown I can give you. It doesn't matter. It's a literal exhibition game that means less than a normal exhibition game. But over under two and a half Rangers to make their debut. So this doesn't count Will Cooley, who obviously has already debuted for the Rangers. Um, I'm not going to count the Mac Hollowells of the world. It has to be a guy making their NHL debut full right. 
So no Hollowell, no Belzeal, none of these guys the Rangers took flyers on that they can expect to call up. We're talking the Matt Robertsons of the world, the Bobby Trevinos of the world, those kind of guys. Yeah, I'm taking the under. I'm going to take it because it's the easier option of the two. Yeah, I can't um, believe I let you go first. That's bad podcasting by me. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I'm going to take the under, and it's, it's because you've said this many of times, okay? If we're calling up that many people, we have an issue. Yep. So, I mean, Othman, maybe, maybe Othman. I, I, I think that that makes sense, but, like, who else are you going to bring up? Maybe Robertson, but like if, if you're bringing up Robertson, th- then you have gone through the extensive list of defensemen to where there is nobody else. Well, so the Robertson argument, I think the two defensemen most likely to make a debut with the Rangers this year are Robertson and Ty Emerson. Uh, I do think the organization holds Emerson in pretty high esteem, and they think he's just a really high floor guy. I don't think they see him as anything more than a bottom pairing D, but they're really confident he can be a bottom pairing D. Um, This would go to my theory that Zach Jones is the Rangers' biggest trade chip, which he is. So you can see a scenario in which if Robertson and Emerson are playing really, really well to start the year, better than Hollowell, better than uh, McKay, better than the other guys, that better than Ben Harper, the the you of the podcast world. if Robertson and Emerson get off to fantastic starts, the Rangers trade Jones and someone picks up a ding, those guys are also waiver exempt. So you can bring them up free and easy. You can send them back down free and easy if it's a quick injury. So I'd say I'd say the odds of one of Emerson and Robertson not making this their debut this year is low. So that's one. Um I'd say in an 82-game season, I'd say it would be pretty shocking if Brennan Othman didn't get a cup of tea at some point in time with the Rangers. We know that forwards are going to get hurt. We know that guys are going to struggle at certain points. We know guys are going to get dinged up. Othman, I think, is going to get two months uninterrupted in the minors, let him play, feed him top-line minutes. Uh, It would have to be... Again, if someone like Pitlick gets an injury or if someone like Bonino gets an injury, uh, then I think Cooley is the natural guy to come up. But if Blake Wheeler needs a spell, if Lafreniere doesn't stick in the top six, I think that paves a way for Othman to get a look. I think I'd be surprised if he played more than 15 games as a Ranger this year, but I'd be surprised if he played less than five. So Othman would be two. And then I, I did this in my 25 under 25. Bobby Trevino fits a certain style of player that thrives under Peter Laviolette. Uh, Connor Sheary has had his best years with Laviolette in charge. They are built similarly. They play a style, a similar style. I think you could make an argument that Trevino could come up because if it's not going to be now, it's never going to happen for him, at least in the Rangers organization. I could see, I, I, I want to be clear. You're right. I don't think we're going to get three NHL debuts this year. It's hard to get three debuts on a team that truly, truly has Stanley Cup aspirations because if people are getting hurt, you're looking for veterans to fill that lineup spot. You're not necessarily trying to bet on the kids. But if I had to say three, 
I'd say one of your young defensemen, Emerson or Robertson, Othman and Trevino. That would have to be the three. I think it's very unlikely that it happens, but those are the three most likely guys to pop their NHL cherry this year. There's a way for it to happen. It's just very unlikely. Yeah, and I, going back to what you said about Emerson, uh, I think that um, that's more likely than Robertson, solely with the fact that he was a, a, a trade piece that was acquired, okay, under Drury. And we, we know that Drury likes to see his trade pieces come to fruition there. So I think that that may be possible as well. I know that you did um, – You did when, when we got Trevino, uh, you did a podcast with Molly Walker, a uh, friend of the show, and you said that he was a very, like, pest-style type of player. I think that fits well in that bottom line, so I could see that as well. But, again, if that is the case, I, I think that we have problems in our lineup. Right. If, if In order for Trevino to come up, the stakes are even higher where either Will Cooley has to be hurt or injured – Riley Nash has to be hurt or injured. And that doesn't even account for uh, Belzeal, Pitlick, and Bonino, and Goodrow. Two of them will also have to be hurt or injured. Torino's like the fifth or sixth man up. And that's it's, that's what I'm saying. Like the, I, the There's a road for Trevino to not just get to New York, but be successful. It's just the path in which we get there is kind of a worst-case scenario. So you're... It's not so much you're rooting against it. It's that you really don't want it to happen. That yeah. That's where you are with Bobby T. I absolutely agree with that. You want to rock through some other five-star questions while we're here? And uh, we'll, do it. We'll, we'll do this nice and quick. I know you got a little one at home. I got nothing, but I, I, got, <laughs> I, I got stuff I got to do <laughs> on a Monday night. Uh, this one's from Jets Rangers 1, who I think people got nervous uh, he and, there's a whole Mark Messier conversation going on in this channel a while ago. We're not rehashing that shit. I'm just acknowledging that it happened in Jets Rangers. Good people. Uh, he's wrong, but he's good people. Um, I'm going to skip the part where he's talking about Trumbull, which sucks. He asks, why do you see Zach Jones as trade fodder and not a long-term uh, left-handed third D option? He's young, can move the puck well, and probably could be kept relatively cheap he and Schneider might be a solid second pair down the road if he can prove he can hold up defensively this season why would we not look to keep him around twofold one um from Zach Jones's perspective that he doesn't want to be that he wants to be more I don't know why any player would be content just existing in a lineup which is essentially what a bottom pair defenseman does Zach Jones sees himself in higher esteem Zach Jones sees himself running a power play, which he doesn't need to do and can't do with the New York Rangers. So he's essentially in the same spot Niels Lundqvist is in, where he's going to understand that if he wants to do more, be more, and make more money, he's going to have to leave the Rangers organization to do it. And then two, if you're the New York Rangers, there's no such thing as a long-term third-pair defenseman option. There shouldn't be. Your third pair should essentially be like your fourth line where it's a rotating door of super reliable and interesting pieces, but I ne- I never want to see the day where the Rangers are locked into someone for five years on their bottom line. Braden Schneider notwithstanding. that it's, it's different when it's a young player you've brought up, you've drafted, you've cultivated, and he does something different than the two other defensemen up above him. But Jones is... The problem with Zach Jones is you're going to get everything you're going to get out of Zach Jones out of Eric Gustafson, and that's a guy you just signed for cheap. So why would I want to lock in 
a third-pairing defenseman when I'm perfectly capable of replacing that third-pair defenseman on the free agent market every year with an equally attractive and intriguing option. That's why Zach Jones is, this is the last year Zach Jones can really be considered a prospect. He's really the most movable piece the Rangers have in order to address a true area of need on the team, which is the only way you're trading Zach Jones. If the Rangers have a need somewhere else, you you have to trade something of worth to fill that need. And Zach Jones is clearly, in my opinion, the seventh best defenseman on the New York Rangers. But he's young. He's attractive to other teams. He's attractive to teams that would be trading a piece willingly to a contender. So I, I, I don't I, I don't know how else to paint it. It, it. Zach Jones is the most obvious player that's going to get traded this year in my eyes. Yeah, I think that everything that you said makes sense. It, it's tough because it's the same. It's the same scenario with Nils, where like, did they get a fair shake with the Rangers? No, but ha- like when they were in the lineup, were they doing anything that was stand like that was making you go, "Wow, I, I'm noticing them on the ice." Not really. And you you could chalk it up to our defense being great. Um, you could chalk it up to Jones not really showcasing his talents. But when you when you look at it, our our depth as far as defense is pretty solid this year, uh, especially on that third pairing. Okay, we have that full rotation where Ben Harper is going to be there. Um, I just, I don't, I don't see Jones fitting, and I mean, it's tough. I, I like Jones. I, I, I thought that he had um, capabilities, and everybody wants your prospects to do well, right? It's, it's. It, you always talk about it, Greg. Prospect hugging. You, you want to see the guys. That, that, that are in the AHL come up okay and perform well, but sometimes it's just not that either. Yeah, and again, I, I wouldn't be saying this if the Rangers didn't have either internal options already available to them or Eric Gustafson. Like Zach Jones, there's a version of this Ranger team where they need Zach Jones. It's just not this one. So would you rather have a reliable, intriguing, young seventh defenseman or would you rather turn that seventh defenseman into a middle six forward that might need you might need to help push you deep into the playoffs? I'd, I'd rather Zach Jones become whatever the biggest glaring need is on the New York Rangers. And I just, it's not going to be your bottom pairing defenseman. That will not be the biggest glaring need on the Rangers. By the way, I'm absolutely getting shit on for comparing uh, Zach Jones to Ben Harper. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> Matt, <Rightfully> you're, so. <laughs> you're going to get shit on no matter what. Uh, I, I think you need to get comfortable with that. Uh, yeah. The next is from PJ Smith. One, who was the better Ranger, Michael Delzato or Carl Haglin? Haglin, I think Haglin. I, I I think that it, it, there's a lot of nostalgia tied with me. Like it, it's like growing up watching Haglin play. I, I just enjoyed his play. There's more. It's more personal bias than anything with Haglin uh, over Delzato. I don't that think it's point. personal bias, but I, I don't know why you, you, you hesitate so long. I think it's clearly Carl Haglin. I yeah. think I think Delzato was solid. I think Delzato played a role. Um, and there was that era of young Ranger defense. We're living in an era of young Ranger defensemen, but the previous era when it was Delzato, Michael Sauer, Mark Stahl, Dan Girardi. Uh, I don't think Delzato was ever really like the fun guy when Delzato left it was kind of just you accepted it as a hockey move and life went on and when Carl Haglin left it felt like a family member moved away I think it's clearly Haglin I don't think it's all that close 
Yeah, I would agree. Uh, let's go to M. Sen. Summer's almost, over, summer's almost over, so it's time to get back to the serious business hockey questions. If you were tasked with giving the Rangers a mascot, what would you choose? Uh, nothing. Nothing. No mascot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is my wheelhouse now. This is this. I I, I feel like someone knew that I was going to be on here. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a honey badger. It's easy. Honey badger. Why wouldn't it be a honey badger? Why would it be a honey badger? Well, I believe that the uh, animal, the New York's animal is uh, beaver, beaver, badger. Say, very, very similar. Uh, you're not going to pick a beaver as a mascot. That's weird. Uh, so wow. definitely shout, out, shout out Oregon State, the fighting beavers. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Are you, are it, you, it has to be a honey badger. No, but I. First of all, that feels like placating a little bit too much to Keandre Miller, <laughs> and even by my standards, that's tough. Um, two, I think we're still in a generation where if you say honey badger, everybody, I, everybody should be thinking you're talking about Tyron Matthew, first and foremost. So I can't. I I don't want to be thinking Tyron Matthew every time I turn on the New York Rangers. If I had to say an honest to god mascot for the Rangers. I think if, <laughs> hmm, you can't go, the thing no one likes to talk about is the Rangers are named after a dude named Tex. Uh, so if the Rangers made a cowboy their mascot, the giant fan base would be really peeved about that. However, if you made an the Rangers America's team and made it an eagle, the Philly fans would be really pissed about that. And I'd find that funny. Yeah, but you can't do that either, though, because the Americans were the first New York hockey team. Are we overthinking this? Is it just someone dressed as the Statue it's of Liberty? Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just the Statue it's of Liberty, Statue right? Of Liberty. Yeah. However, what if, what if the mascot was actually a rotating cast member from a certain Broadway show every night? <laughs> Gonna have Phantom of the Opera on there. Phantom of the Opera one night. Alexander Hamilton shows up one night. Uh, Simba shows up one night. Jean Valjean. Why not? Why not? Why not? Though I don't think Les Mis is on Broadway anymore, buddy. Get get your shit together here. Yeah, um, didn't prepare for this. Yeah, didn't watch one second of Hard Knocks where they went through every <laughs> Broadway play. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's a Statue of Liberty. I, it, that's the boring answer. We came up with way more fun answers, though your answer, Honey Badger, makes no goddamn sense. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, Then our final question of the week, Jets Rangers won double-dipped. He's a very popular man these days. Using Josh's 290 goals theory, I did a goal projection for this team, i.e. 35 for Kreider, 30 for Zibanejad, etc. In the end, I came out to between 40 and 45 goals left for Capococco and Alexi Lafreniere. Is that enough to prove a, quote, breakout season for either if they more or less split them? I'll let you answer this one first. Uh, 40 to 45 goals? I say, I'd say so, yeah. I mean, if either, if either or both Lafreniere and Kako have 40 goals, I'm ecstatic, okay? Because you know that there's going to be assists tied with that as well. Um, if either of them have 40 goals, I, I, I think that that's a breakout year. I, I don't think there's any way to dispute that being a breakout year. Um, I, if one of them got that, I'd be very happy. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, for me, first of all, I don't like, I still don't like using points 
as the line in the sand for breakout. Kabukago had 40 points last year. We all thought he broke out because he became this reliable, strong two-way forward that fits anywhere in your lineup. I didn't I didn't get to that conclusion because he scored 18 goals and 22 assists. I got to that conclusion based on what we were seeing on the ice on a nightly basis. I, I don't need points to be the defining characteristic of a breakout. If Alexi Lafreniere continues to not get power play time and scores 20 goals, just like he did last season, is that going to warrant me saying he's good enough? I don't know. I need the context surrounding it. Um, so I, I, I just naturally reject and throw out any idea of points being the line in the sand to say this player broke out or this player has a future on this team or this player is living up to expectations. I think that's a very old and antiquated way of looking at hockey and sports in general. Um, Like, look at Kyle Schwarber in Philadelphia. The man's going to hit 40 home runs this year. He's also going to bat below 200 and play horrible defense in the outfield. Is he a good baseball player because he hit 40 homers? No. So is Alexi Lafreniere a good hockey player if he scores 25 goals next year? I don't know. There, there's no context to that number. It doesn't mean anything to me. So I, I reject this question. That that's essentially what I what I come out to here, Maddie. Yeah, I do think, I think that Kako uh, above Lafreniere, Kako is. I, I do think that he has a breakout year. I know that you talked about it to where he did break out a good bit last year, and I just I see him building on the season that he had last year. Uh, I. I don't think that it's a stretch to, to say 25 goals. I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he is a 55 point player next year. I, I think that it, so long as he's the, the uh, first right winger uh, top line minutes, I, I, I think that Kako is going to have an amazing year. Uh, any doubt that anybody had is going to be erased this season. It's going to be a really fun time talking about what Kako's contract is going to look like next summer. I'm really not looking forward to it, if I'm quite honest. Yeah, me neither. Should be fun. Uh, good thing we got through this summer without thinking about next summer. Maddie. I don't got anything else here. Um, do you have any... Is there anything we missed in this 30-minute edition to whatever the first part of the podcast was that I don't remember? No. We covered it all. I think we, I think we did. Uh... You guys can follow me at Blue Shirts Break. You can follow Matty Jack. I believe it's at Matty, M-A-T-T-Y underscore Jack on the Twits, on the X, on whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, double underscore on that. Double first underscore. Jesus yeah, first Christ. Taken. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. Really? There's a different. There's a Matty one score Jack out there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just Matt Jackson. He he got it. He bought it from somebody, so I can't have it. But Son that's a, a story for another time. <laughs> Um, give you guys a rundown of what else is coming this week on the BSB World Network. You have Gambling with Greg Week 2. That'll be recorded sometime on Wednesday night. Uh, I believe John currently is the leader in the clubhouse. I think he's got 10 going into tonight's game. So good on John. Way to go for him. He's a piece of shit. He beat me in fantasy this week. BSBOT is still happening this week. I will have a different guest, a non-Maddie guest, join me on BSBOT. What we're talking about, the Lord, if I know. Um, I should make mention, I'd be remiss if I didn't say going to the U.S. Open Women's Final was one of the best sporting experiences 
of my life. That entire building was just desperate. New York sports fans were desperate to have something to cheer for. It's made perfectly clear to me now. And they're thrilled Coco Goff won. Uh, you go, Glenn Coco. You did great. Uh, and then next week, we'll have another episode. I'll have another guest. I don't know what the fuck I'll be talking about next week. But we're going to run it back. Uh, until then, stay safe. I'm going to go record the laundry list of Patreon subscribers that Ryan does every week. And hopefully I pronounce you guys' names better. Maddie, say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Ryan makes it seem so hard. Greg can read names, too. Let's thank some people here at the end of the show. Uh boy. 92 of you? Oh, <laughs> I just want to go to bed. Uh, all right, here we go. Shout-outs. Wayne E., Brian Doherty, Anthony Gray, Cassidy, what up? Cassidy Rollman. Those are two different Cassidy's for those keeping track at home. Brian Farrell, Tom Tedeschi, Jason Stomer, Mike Mancuso, Brandon Mangum, Alex Flynn, Nate Hanafy, Brandon Lacos, James Masker, the pro world of tanks gamer, Laura Ross, shout out Laura, miss you, love you, Mike Posternet, Chris H. We're going to go Chris H. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not Brian. All right. I, I don't give in to peer pressure. Anthony Tanagreta, Brett Granger, Other Slash, that's a good one, Jack Bagley, Jordan, Brett McGinnis, Brian Gallagher, Darian, girl, love you forever, Pascal Perrier, Adam Curatolo, Adam Cassidy, Tom Siklari, Hayek Waivers, Happened Before Ryan Watched Miracle, holy shit, what up, buddy, Tony Gregory, John Shea, Jarian Marquez, Matthew Goodwin, John Hardesty, Vinny Bracco, Pavel Kondratchev, Adam Lind- Lindner, Daniel Delaney, Fenix Ignition, The Drop BK, Adam Cheek, PJ Sisbaro, Gretzky McFly, Leszek Gronowski, Daniel DeJuen, David Nari- Narain, Bennett Lomayer, CJ Stellwagon. I got to change pains here, boys. Hold on. And girls, I should say. Give me one. Uno Memento Port for four. Winston the Golden Retriever. Bill Alson. Taj Sheamus. Jason Zabransky. Vinny Hay. Garrett Rainis. Michael Kanick. Neil Grover. Randy Tesser and OG. Hella Vanilla. Conrad P. Demich. Nicholas De Nicola. Anthony Montoro. Amber Konigsberger, maybe, possibly. Dennis Dietz, Swingard, Brian Mallon, Adam Cohen, Will Spector, Andrew Rauner, Bill Rattel, David Siegel, Matthew Kind, hmm, that guy sounds familiar, Meatball the Cat, Harrison Haskew, Jimmy Mack, Johnny Thundercock, the one and only, Paul Smith, Alex Gardner, Josh Kastenbaum, Chris Finelli, Kako, praise B for 24, Chris from Florida is what he's also known as, Ben Weber, Immortal Lou Giordano, Mike Bucklaw, Ben Waters, Greg talks about the Mets during sex. I mean, he's not wrong. Let's be honest about some things here. Hip Hip 89, Eric Stagg, Tommy O'Neill, Brian Doyle, and last but not least, Tori from Manhattan. Love you guys. Hey, maybe I'll put some music under this. I don't know.